Hi, I'm Susanna Hewson from HSF's Head Office Advisory Team and welcome to Reporting for Duties. Reporting for Duties is our limited podcast series aiming to provide bite-sized insights on corporate reporting and ESG throughout the main Australian reporting season. In this episode, we have Tim Stutt and Lauren Selby, both partners in our team, reporting for duty. And our topic for discussion is climate scenarios and financial reporting, what's possible? At the time of this recording, both the ISSB standards and Australia's proposed climate-related financial disclosure regime will require companies to engage with this. So it's certainly a hot topic. Before we get to, to it though, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Gadigal people of the Euroa Nation in Sydney and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne. And I pay my respects to their elders, both past and present. So Tim, climate scenarios, what are they and what's possible? Before we get to climate scenario analysis, it might be worth just talking about scenario analysis generally. I think some of our listeners might be familiar with it, but others perhaps not not so much. But it's a planning tool, essentially. So it's a tool used to test the resiliency of a business under different circumstances. In the climate context, actually, it's used to test the resiliency of the business to different circumstances from a climate perspective. So it might be Uh, looking at how a business would fare with a rapid decarbonisation pathway or how a business would fare conversely if there is really slow progress on decarbonisation and actually um, how would it respond to higher levels of physical climate risk, how would it respond to more variability in terms of transition risks. So in that sense, it's a tool for unpicking what might the effects of climate change be for a particular business? Importantly, though, uh, it is just a tool for that purpose, um, and and it will always be bound by the particular the particular scenarios being looked at and the assumptions underpinning them. And so, how does that differ to a forecast? This sort of forward-looking piece. So a forecast is effectively a company's expectations about what's going to happen in the future. So it's a forward-looking statement, and most of our listeners will be aware, but obviously when you make a forward-looking statement, a company needs to have a reasonable basis for making the statement, and it must be prepared with appropriate um, care and diligence. Um, Otherwise, the statement will be deemed to be misleading from a Corporations Act perspective. So if we look at the regime as it sits at the moment, both the ISSB standards and the Australian government's second consultation paper will require disclosures of how and when climate-related scenario analysis was carried out, whether that scenario analysis was aligned with the Paris Agreement. In fact, the Australian regime, as proposed, uh, requires at least one of the two required disclosures for future states to be consistent with the Paris Agreement. So that's not whether or not it's consistent, it's an absolute requirement that it is consistent. And it also looks like the Australian regime will will require qualitative disclosures from commencement, as well as some form of quantitative disclosures from the 2027 to 28 financial year onwards. So we understand that Paris Agreement will play a key piece. What other scenarios are people using? There's quite a bit in that, Susanna. 
really, there is quite a bit of variability as to which scenarios companies are looking at. Quite a lot are using the IEA NZE, net zero emissions scenario, and they're, they're doing that for the reason that it is um, aligned to a 1.5 degree warming. So in that sense, it is a way of having a snapshot which is Paris aligned. Although being super technical, the wording of the Paris Agreement would be well below two degrees. Um, so ideally 1.5 degrees, but well below two degrees. Um, so in that sense, it is a fairly common one. And there has been a tendency for companies to try and use external um, well-accepted um well-accepted uh, assumptions for the purposes of doing their scenario analysis. That said, it is just one and there are quite a lot. So the IEA has a number, there are a number out there in the market. And what has been difficult for quite a few companies is some of them may provide guardrails, but they won't necessarily have the level of detail which helps the company do a fulsome scenario analysis. So there will need to be quite a bit of work done by the company itself. And we're seeing um, bespoke, tailored, self-developed scenarios being used in that, that context. Um, actually, uh, in the early stages of um, companies voluntarily doing TCFD reporting and, and doing scenario analysis in that context, there was a big focus on the qualitative disclosure, which you mentioned, but now we're seeing more and more companies do the quantitative type disclosure and we're seeing things like how would the relative value of the company be impacted under different circumstances and more granularity around that. In terms of developing your own scenarios, actually there is a real need to think carefully about the way that they're disclosed. To Lauren's point, they're not forecasts, they are scenarios. So in, in that context, they should be clearly labelled as such. It should be clear that they're not probabilities. It should be clear that they are sets of circumstances under which the company is being tested. Um, but also, it will be important to set out what the assumptions are underpinning each of the scenarios, because to the extent that you're relying on your own work in developing scenarios, um, it does need to be sensibly disclosed and, and the assumptions and contingencies and so on spelt out um, because you're not going to be, be able to piggyback off the work of some of the external agencies in the same way. Sounds like transparent disclosure will be key. Thanks for joining us. This was Tim Stutt, Lauren Selby and Susanna Hewson reporting for duty. In the spirit of reconciliation, Herbert Smith Freehills acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud and visit our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.